Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be talking with Dr. Sarah Vos about commonly missed symptoms after concussion. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Dr. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of the Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast series at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Also, don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Sarah Vos, and she earned her Doctor of Physical Therapy degree in 2007 from Northeastern University and has over 10 years' experience as a physical therapist. She earned her Master of Science in Physical Therapy and a Bachelor of Science in Rehabilitation Science from Northeastern University. Sarah decided to study physical therapy after experiencing a devastating motor vehicle accident in high school. When she was able to walk again, her treatment was considered a success and she was discharged. However, years later, she continued to experience symptoms ranging from insomnia and mood swings to gut issues and brain fog. She did not realize at the time how much of what she was dealing with was actually related to her brain injury. It took becoming a physical therapist herself and taking the initiative to study post-concussion syndrome independently and through continuing education courses for Sarah to gain the knowledge she needed to help not only herself, but her clients going through the same thing. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. So excited to have you here today. What a great Thank topic. Thank you so much for having me. So much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So Sarah, why, let's start. We got a little teaser of what happened in your bio, um, but let's start by having you share with our listeners um, a little bit more about your accident and your injuries um, and getting into that whole, like, you know, released from the hospital, like, goodbye, have a nice life. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dig yeah. into that so, a little. So when I was, I was 14 years old, it was only four o'clock in the afternoon, but there was a drunk driver driving on the wrong side of the road going around a curve. And when we came around the curve, he hit us head on, um, more on my side of the car, I was in the passenger seat and the dashboard caved in and hit me on the head and then went over my head. Um, and it, Caved in in the middle too, so my left knee was severely injured, my left leg. Um, 
I don't remember the accident. I have about a week of amnesia from the injury um, I received to my brain. But at the time, they didn't know I was in the car. They cut me out, brought me to the hospital. Um, They told my parents that I had a tiny little brain bleed with a, uh, back then a contracoup injury was very popular where they labeled it where the front of the brain hits one side and the back of the brain hits and the front of the brain hits. And they thought that's what really caused a lot of the injuries. So that's what they told my parents I had. Um, but they only treated in the hospital, they only treated my internal bleeding and my orthopedic injuries. I had, yeah. I mean, they took a, a CT scan initially. I had no follow-up with a neurologist um, and, for and over 20 years. And you said you did have, you had a small brain bleed. They found that, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So there was no like follow-up to see if that was gone? <laughs> no. Nope, no follow-up. Wow. They, they what did, year was um, this? This was in 1997. 97. Yeah, 1997. Now, honestly, not that long ago, right? Like, it's not. Floors me. Yeah. And I hear this all the time. I actually just connected with yeah. somebody on yep. uh, Facebook who reached out to me, and he was in a bad car accident. Um, he's an expat now in New Zealand and, from America, and um, he was in a bad car accident. And, uh, again, they treated his leg. Uh, bad leg injury, taught him how to walk again, not from a neurological perspective, but from an orthopedic perspective. And um, he still has lots of symptoms uh, from concussion, but they, they're discharging him. They're telling him he's all set. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I hear this so often that the um, concussion is almost not even addressed. They're like, yep, you have it. Yeah. And they just kind of let people go and figure it out on their own. Did they even tell you or your parents, I mean, aside from saying you had a tiny brain bleed, um, did they say anything in terms of concussion, brain injury, head injury? So I was, the contracoup head injury with a frontal lobe contusion was the phrasing okay. that I remember um, from when my memory starts to come back. Um, so they did, they did acknowledge that, which is, good that they at least were able to diagnose something. But again, there was no PT only was focused on orthopedic issues. Um, there was no follow-up with a neurologist, no recommendation to follow up with a neurologist even. Yeah. And no additional yeah, scans, so, which so is so you interesting were 14. to me. I was also, yes. So you're 14 at the time and now you go back yep. to school and I have to assume you had some, problems going back to school, whether it was reading or attention span or memory. Um, And you probably didn't, you know, when we're that age, I don't think we're in tune enough to fully comprehend what's going on with ourselves. Um, I mean, to some degree we are, but, but, but to not know, oh, this is related to my head injury, right? Like this is related to the car accident. So the part that I did know is I had taken several years of Spanish at that point, and I did not know any Spanish. Um, wow. So that was pretty obvious to me that, like, I could speak, like, three or four words, but most of my conversational Spanish was gone, um, and it took a while to come back. That was pretty obvious to me that it was from the brain injury. Um, the things that weren't obvious for me, um, and now it's, now it's super obvious to me when I see somebody, but, and I often find this with parents as well of my patients, um, is the mood changes. They weren't, you know, I had a yes. lot of mood changes. Everyone contributed it to the trauma, like the emotional yes. or trauma. Or just of being the fact that you're a teenager. 
Right, but not not to the brain injury itself. Um, yes, I hear that right. a lot from parents. They don't they don't know is this from their injury or are they just you know a moody teenager going through hormonal changes? And to some extent, there is a fine line there, right? But right. you really do have to take into consideration that the brain literally runs your hormones and your moods and your emotions. You know the limbic region. So, so yeah. So so how how did that kind of play out for you throughout high school? Um, throughout high, I struggled a little bit in certain classes and I reflect now and wonder if that's because I had the brain injury or if that was because of being a teenager, you know, and even I don't know that answer. Um, throughout high school, it, it played out okay. Um, I mean, I made it, I, I was really driven to become a physical therapist. So that having that motivation and that purpose, um, I think was very helpful and it wasn't really until um, it wasn't until really years later in college that I really noticed that my reading comprehension was significantly diminished, and my ability to communicate my thoughts into words, so word retrieval and my ability to write down my thoughts were significantly um, diminished. Like I was struggling a lot. I could think of it, Mm -hmm. but for me to write it would be really challenging. And then sometimes just even the word retrieval issue, I couldn't even find the word. It was just floating around in my head. And I was like, it's there and I can't grasp it. Yeah. Super frustrating. Yeah. So I I just want to back up just a little bit to the discharge Mm -hmm. from the hospital. And the reason I want to kind of go back to this is because it comes up over and over and over and over. Um, People are discharged. Some like it doesn't sound like you were in a coma, um, but some people have been in comas for days, weeks, months. Um, You know, some have physical injuries or, you know, like you said, they're more focused on your orthopedic injuries than anything. Um, and and then it's time to release and discharge and the spouse or the parents or the significant other they're like well what about you know the brain injury or the brain bleed what what do we do about that oh you're good they can walk and talk you're going home bye <laughs> and you know you're left with this like sense of like overwhelm because you know we've been taught to trust our doctors right and i'm not saying that we shouldn't trust them but they don't know everything um, so we just trust them. They send us home and we're like, okay, now what, you know, this sucks. I don't have a memory or I can't remember my Spanish that I learned for three years, you know? So, you know, what was that like going home for you and, and for your parents, if you have any, any insight into that? So I was out for about 24 hours is what I was told after the car accident. Um, and that, so not a true coma, but you know, loss of consciousness about for about that long. Um, when I was discharged, I was discharged twice. I was discharged once. Um, and then I was told I, for my birthday, actually, they let me go home for four days. And then they brought me back in to have more orthopedic surgeries. Um, when I was discharged, I don't, I mean, being, having that week of amnesia, having a hazy memory for that whole time period I don't have a good memory of being worried. I just remember being a 14-year-old and then 15-year-old mm-hmm. wanting to go home and you not get, to go get home. woken up yeah. at night by the night nurse. 
So for me, it was not so much anxiety about what about my brain. It was like, oh, thank God I get to go home. Um, the big concerns, for, I had internal bleeding and a, a DVT, a deep vein thrombosis or a blood clot in my leg. So the big concerns for me were um, how am I still, am I dissolving that clot and can I walk orthopedically? And that's really what my parents focused on. It's what everyone focused on. I'm not sure that anyone even gave my brain a second thought. Yeah. Yeah. So and that is all too uncommon. Um, you know, I mean, I, I meet people just in like, this is 20 some years ago, this happened to you, but I meet people just in the past year that have had this happen. And it's like, oh, we, absolutely. You know, we've grown by leaps and bounds in our awareness, but yet the traditional medicine system just really hasn't caught up. And, you know, you at least had the mention of the coup contra coup. Um, you right. know, some people are told, oh, yeah, you had a concussion or a brain injury, but then that's it. Like, they're not given any further resources or told anything more that they need to do. And, you know, they're just left struggling. Um, so now it was that's once you got into college um, that you started learning more about your injury. Um, so let's kind of jump into your college experience and when you started kind of understanding and making the connection of your brain injury and some of your symptoms. Um, so it was actually gross anatomy too. I had a lot of trouble. Gross anatomy classes for physical therapy is a lot of memorization, the muscle where it starts and stops, what function is, what innervates it. There's not a lot of um, understanding the logic behind it to get the concept of straight memorization. Uh, yep, and I yep. had, I had a lot of trouble with the memorization. I actually ended up taking that course twice um, just to get, just to really get it down. And that's where I kind of really noticed that, Oh, <laughs> this may be more than just like a studying and memory issue. Cause I am studying. There's something else going on here. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, was it once you got into the PT portion of schooling and or where was it when you started to understand um, the full concussion? That, yeah, that, that, that there was yeah, all these that, things so going on. Until after, that wasn't really until after school, after I had been a PT for a while. So after um, after I, all of the schooling, you still. OK, this is a great example. So you went through PT school. You're a doctor. Yeah, and I didn't really, I knew there and, was something going on, but I didn't absolutely <laughs> had no idea. It wasn't until like you I. Didn't, you didn't even learn enough to, to about concussion to know that that's what your problem was. Problem. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> that is a big problem. So from 2000 to 2007 is when I was in school straight through uh, bachelor's, master's doctorate. And I did not really learn enough until I came out. And it was a few years of practice before I started really digging into post-concussion syndrome from some of my own symptoms and from some patients that came in. Um, and then it kind of like dawned on me that like, oh, oh, this is what I've been wow. dealing with for years. This is what I still have. Like it's, it's almost 15 years later, 20 years later, and I still am dealing with these symptoms and my patients are too. Um, yep. and they're being told that they have a concussion, but it's fine. They'll get better. Just go to PT. And generally, <laughs> um, I'm a little bit of a different kind of physical therapist. I don't, I'm not yours. I don't treat the way a normal PT does, but you know, you go to PT and you do exercises or some balance stuff for the vestibular and then you go home and you're supposedly good. 
And that's um, right. so far <laughs> from what is actually needed for concussion care. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. You know, um, uh, our local, I'm in Minneapolis and Dr. Uzma Samadani, she's a neurosurgeon here. And she shared with me once, you know, she was all the way through medical school and into her neurosurgeon um, rotation before she even like, they didn't, they learned like a chapter in school about brain injury and concussion. Um, And then even within neurosurgery, you know, they learned how to fix the brain bleed or, you know, um, uh, how to fix a a stroke or an aneurysm or whatever in the brain. But then that was it. They didn't learn anything beyond that. Like you just need to know how to keep the person alive. And she wanted to know more, right? Like what do we need to do with these patients afterwards to get them the rehab they need? Um, So that's what's really frightening, right? Like you're not even, it's, it's just, getting glossed over in for med students. Tremendously. Um, I think they focus it on a little bit more now in PT school than they did when I was in school. Yeah. Um, based off some of my conversations with some current students. Um, however, I, I, it is, you know, it's still like a chapter <laughs> instead of uh-huh. one day, it's a chapter, but it's just yeah. not that, um, not covered that. Um, yeah. See, there's my word retrieval. <laughs> I feel you. Um, so, so Sarah, what what are some of the things you're finding as a PT? You said you do things differently. So, what are you finding when working with concussion patients? Um, what are you finding things that they need, like as far as treatments, and how are you helping them successfully move forward versus, <clears throat> excuse me, versus traditional PT? Um, so one thing that we do on the first visit is I go through the list of different evaluations, um, different evaluations they should have. And they're not all with me. There are a lot of them with other providers if, based on what their symptoms. But I always want to make sure that they have had their upper cervical, upper neck um, screened for joint mobility, uh, vestibular and ocular testing, um, so, and, just, and visual processing, which some people are like, oh, yeah, I had my eyes checked 2020. I'm fine. And I'm like, oh, Visual processing has nothing to do with 2020 vision and has everything to do with how your yes. brain is perceiving the information. Yes. Um, a possible psychological examination, uh, examination, maybe a neuropsych if they're having tons of mood and irritability, um, a diet evaluation because of the disruption of the gut-brain access um, in the glial cells there, um, and then a physiological examination for possibly hormone disruption with a neuroendocrinologist or, um, and then with me for possible changes in um, usually it's drainage of lymph, uh, blood and cerebral spinal fluid from the, from the head back down into the body. Um, So that goes a lot with the restrictions. If you have a restriction in your neck or your cervical area, uh, a lot of times the fluids, cannot drain effectively. And so then you end up with headaches and all these other symptoms in your, in your head. Um, so that's the first thing we discuss when patients come in and then, and based on their symptoms, obviously it's going to gear our treatment one way or another. Uh, but then I do go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask. So if someone comes in and they, they don't know that they've had a concussion, let's say, like, let's say they're coming in because they were in a car accident and hurt their knee and they need rehab for their knee. Um, I assume you're kind of even screening those patients to dig deeper to see if they're exhibiting 100%. concussion symptoms. So, yeah. 
if you come into my office for plantar fasciitis, <laughs> you are asked if you have ever had a fall from <laughs> an impact Love trauma it. or a car accident. So everyone, any kind, and people impact traumas, I'm like, um, that's fist fighting. That is, you know, yeah. getting yeah. hit in the head with a baseball. You know, so I had one person who was actually seeing Calling me for a severe post Right. Right. I had one person who was seeing me for a severe post-concussion after writing Harry Potter at Universal. Oh, and um, he did not improve. Roller coaster. He was like, it's my first. Yes, it was tough. He was like, it's my first concussion. I don't understand. And so I sat him down. And I was like, I know you kind of grew up in a rough area and you're kind of a rambunctious kid. Did you get in fist fights? He's like, oh, I got knocked out more times than you could set than I can remember. And I was like, <laughs> okay. So there it is. One of those is a concussion. <laughs> And he was like, oh, like they, he just, people don't realize, yeah. they just yep. don't always put that together that that is a brain injury when that happens. And yeah. now you're building upon those and getting repetitive injuries. Um, but every, every person in my office, doesn't matter what you come in for, gets screened for any kind of impact trauma. So after that initial screening, um, that we were just talking about, um, what, what happens then? Um, do you come up with like a plan of action for the patient? And I assume each patient is going to be different based on their symptoms. It's very, it's very patient specific. So, um, you know, I took a business class recently and they were like, Oh, just come up with the things that you tell everyone and make a, make yeah, it, right. you know, a program to sell. And I was like, you can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that with concussion. Everyone is you so can't. individualized. Nope. Um, yep. And you really need to tailor it to their symptoms. So I do, um, I went out and got trained in something called craniosacral therapy, which I'm assuming yes. you're familiar with maybe. Yeah. Um, craniosacral therapy. And then their, their post-concussion protocol also involves visceral manipulation and neural manipulation, which are developed by a French osteopath. So I've gotten trained in all three of those um, for all through the basic levels so that is, I can Is that through the up-ledger? It is. So craniosacral therapy yeah. is through Upledger, and then visceral manipulation and neural manipulation are through the Baral Institute, and that's in France. Um, so I have, I got trained in all three just so I could provide the patient with the care they needed in the office. So that's a manual therapy um, in the office, and then we build a home program or um, comp- compensatory techniques for them at home until they can handle kind of returning more to normal function. Mhm. Yeah, and you know, and I think that's such a key is traditional PT. And don't get me wrong, there are some phenomenal PTs out there like you who end up in a more traditional environment. Um, but traditional PT is very cookie cutter. You know, we're going to do is. X, Y, and Z with each patient. Um, there are some fabulous facilities that do understand brain injury. And, and do understand the need for individualized treatment. Um, however, sometimes the PTs are the one catching the concussions. Um, like you said, you screen all of yours in the beginning, even with plantar fasciitis, you ask them, you know, if right. they've had an impact. Um, so there are PTs out there who are finding the concussions, even though the patient's never been told they had one, right? Um, and so Correct. I think... PT is such a good first line of defense because, I mean, I never got sent to PT or OT. I didn't get sent to anything um, until wow. I finally found functional neurology on my own. Um, I did have cranial sacral. I did 
get to craniosacral therapy, which that, that in itself was phenomenal for me. Um, that helped me get, get over the brain fog. Um, and he was a very holistic healer too. He, um, he helps me understand how your body remembers the impact and the trauma and how you have to work through right. all that trauma as well. Like that, it, it was awesome. We were a great fit together. Right. The emotional um, piece. Yeah. yeah. The emotional piece of it. You can't negate that. Um, it's so important to treat that with the physical, in my opinion, you can't, Sarah, when someone comes to you and works with you at your clinic, um, and I do have the link in the show notes, it's bodyandmindpt.com, and you're located in New Hampshire. Um, yeah. So when someone comes to you, what should they expect? Like, how how long is someone going to work with you? How you know, you said you send them home with some at-home exercises, but, but what is, what does the whole package kind of look like? Um, so the first, it's, that's hard because it depends on the person. Usually I yeah. do patients once every three weeks. So it's a, le- a lot less frequent than some other physical therapists. And that's just because of the uh, visceral and neural manipulation. The body takes a little time to adjust after you've had those treatments. So that's the protocol for that is once every three weeks. Um, so I might work with people for longer periods, but less frequently. Um, and we will discuss your nutrition. Uh, we go over your movements. Uh, mindfulness and meditation is always a big piece yeah. of it. I use a neurofeedback headband that I give people to take home during treatment uh, temporarily so they can kind of start to work on focused attention and heart rate variability to kind of tune into their bodies a little bit more. Um, And doing the hands-on mental emotional work um, in addition to the physical work. And then usually the quote unquote home exercises are not what you would necessarily think of. They're not therapeutic exercises, you know, doing leg lift or anything like that. They are um, more of a mind body embodiment piece of, yeah, uh, getting more in touch and recognizing your symptoms when they start versus waiting till you know you've totally exhausted your body and now you have no ATP stores left in your brain uh-huh. because they're all gone <laughs> yes. because you've exhausted your body. So getting to recognize to that point of, oh, I can feel it coming on or, oh, I noticed this little change in my body and I need to stop now so that I still have energy for later in the day or, you know, what else can I do now to give myself some of that energy later. So it might be some restorative yoga poses. It might be hydration with electrolytes. Um, it could be some supplementation, diet changes, and it, it's really dependent on the person. Yeah. And, and you mentioned nutrition and nutrition is such an important part of brain injury recovery. And I think it's very, I know it's very overlooked in the traditional realm um and even in pt so i i'm glad to hear that you you are acknowledging that and um helping patients understand the nutritional component and you know your brain needs fuel right we have to give it the proper fuel and you know the whole brain gut connection which you know is a whole other talk but that's a whole um, other topic (laughs) (laughs) but just acknowledging you know with your patients hey like let's you know, this is kind of a whole, a whole body approach, like concussion recovery isn't just 
doing one thing. It's not just going to vision therapy or just going to PT. It's like you said, it's nutrition, it's movement, it's mind body. It's um, uh, the emotional component. And so it's all so interconnected and it is. Yeah. It's very so, interesting. Sarah, I have a physical. Oh, oh are we wrap up? Sorry. <laughs> I was say, I have a physical therapist friend who wants to send her pay, her husband to me for physical therapy because she heard I have great results with concussion, and I was asking her about diet and hydration for him and everything else, and uh, she's like, "Yeah, but he just needs PT," and I was like, "Yeah, oh, mm-hmm. you, you no. can't really separate though." Yeah. <laughs> why I have good results because I don't look at just the PT; it's got to be kind of all encompassing. Absolutely. So Sarah, we're just about out of time and I just want to wrap up with asking if you have some final thoughts for our listeners, any, you know, parting words of advice for anyone who is still dealing with concussion symptoms. My one thing that I always tell people is to keep looking for new providers until you find someone that listens and can point you in the right direction. Cause there are plenty of providers out there that will tell you, um, it's in your head. There's nothing going oh, on. Oh, yeah. You're fine. You should be better by now. Take part and keep looking for somebody who will listen to you and hopefully, if they can't help you, point you in the direction of someone who can. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent advice. Um, providers work for you, not the other way around. And so you have every right to get a second, third, 20th opinion. And, um, you know, don't, don't give up. And, you know, we live in this traditional healthcare paradigm and it's dictated by our healthcare system, um, which is unfortunately failing us. And so, you know, you do, you have to look outside that traditional system often to get the right treatments. So thank you so much for being here today, Sarah. Again, I have your website in the show notes and it's bodyandmindpt.com. And if anyone wants to find you, they can head to that website. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And thank you everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Sarah Vos. And just another thank you to our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. You can find them online and get your free consultation at integratedbraincenters.com. And you can find previous podcast episodes on most streaming platforms such as iTunes, or you can find them at facesoftbi.com. And also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And remember to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I will see you in the next episode.